Hello, this is Tony Tenniel, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us again for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. I am back after being on vacation and also being sick for quite a while. <laughs> so uh, hopefully we'll be healthy for a long time now and everything will keep going. And uh, let's see, this week on On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, TV and movie DVD releases, and, of course, our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, our guest had such hits as Love Will Keep Us Together, Muskrat Love, Do That To Me One More Time. She had her own TV show called Captain and Tennille Show back in the 70s and 80s, uh, late 70s. And uh, it's Tony Tennille. She's going to be joining us right here on On Screen and Beyond. So Tony has a new book out. It's called Tony Tennille, a memoir. And uh, it's going to be interesting. So stick around for that. She's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And uh, as I said, we have a lot of things going on. But this week we are looking at what's coming away in theaters and on DVD and Blu-ray in the month of April. And we're going to get right into it. Remake Madness is next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, as far as movies coming your way in theaters that are remakes in April. April 15th, you can look for The Jungle Book as it gets remade one more time. This time, director John Favreau is going to be taking charge of the film. And uh, as far as remakes, that's it. That's all there is in April coming our way. But uh, we always know there's more coming our way, so we'll keep you informed on those. And coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies coming your way in theaters in April. Upcoming new movies coming your way in theaters in April. Well, we start off with The Boss with Melissa McCarthy. Another comedy arrives, and uh, that'll be a good one, I'm sure. And April 8th, it looks like Jake Gyllenhaal and Naomi Watts will star in Demolition as a successful investment banker struggles after losing his wife in a car crash. Criminal, that's coming our way, and it stars Kevin Costner and Gary Oldman teaming up, and that comes our way on April 15th as a death row inmate gets a dead CIA agent's memories implanted in his head so he can complete a mission. So that sounds like an interesting film. On April 15th, Patrick Stewart is going to be starring in a comical horror thriller called Green Room. And Elvis and Nixon will be arriving on April 22nd with Kevin Spacey. And on April 29th, you can look for Jennifer Aniston, Kate Hudson, John Lovitz, and Julia Roberts to star in Gary Marshall's Mother's Day. And that's it. For upcoming new movies, next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way in theaters as far as sequels in April, right here on On Screen and Beyond.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sequel City, as far as sequels coming our way in theaters in April, well, it looks like on April 15th, Barbershop, the next cut, continues its story. And on April 22nd, The Huntsman, Winter's War, expands the story of Snow White before Snow White was even in the picture. And that's it for Sequel City coming our way in April in theaters. Next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take a peek at what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD in April. TV on DVD in April, well, on April 5th, Banshee, Season 3, Casual, Season 1, Doctor Who, the Ninth Series, Episodes, Season 4, House of Lies, Season 4, NYPD Blue, Season 9, The Odd Couple, Season 1. Now, this is not the original one, but this is the uh, newer one that's out now. And Salem 2. It's going to be coming our way also on April 5th. April 12th, you can look for Family Matters, Season 6, Grace and Frankie, Season 1, Power Rangers, Dino Charge, Volume 2, Resurrection, and on uh, Sisters, Season 4, and also Welcome to Sweden, Season 2. April 19th, Haven, the final season is coming our way, along with the complete series, and Little House on the Prairie, Season 9, Deluxe Remastered Edition will be arriving and Pretty Little Liars Season 6, Veep Season 4. April 26, you can look for the Beverly Hillbillies, the official Season 1, and Hot in Cleveland Season 6. That's it for TV on DVD coming our way in theaters in April. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming away as far as movies on DVD in April? <laughs> movies on DVD coming our way in April, well, on April 4th, Star Wars. The Force Awakens with Daisy Ridley. On April 19th, you can get Fifty Shades of Black with Marlon Wayans and also Norm of the North with Rob Schneider and The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. April 26th, Ride Along 2 with Ice Cube and Kevin Hart and Krampus with Adam Scott. That's it for TV on DVD coming our way in April. And it looks like it's time for... TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time. Well, a lot of you are going to be interested in this one. It looks like Universal Studios in Hollywood is going to have a Walking Dead-based attraction. And AMC has also renewed Walking Dead for a seventh season. And Sharknado is heading our way. Sharknado 4, that is. And it's going to be called Sharknado, The Fourth Awakens. Okay. All right, that's it for TV and entertainment time on On Screen and Beyond. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it is Celebrity Birthdays. We baked you a birthday cake. If you get a 
to me, eh? And you moan and groan and woe. Don't forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> Celebrity birthdays. Well, it looks like on April 4th, Robert Downey Jr. turns 51. On April 6th, Candace Cameron Burr turns 40. And it looks like Paul Rudd turns 47. On April 7th, Russell Crowe turns 52. April 9th, Kristen Stewart turns 26. And Dennis Quaid turns 62. And it looks like on April 10th, the force is awakened as far as Daisy Ridley. She'll be turning 24 years old. That's it for celebrity birthdays. As far as listeners' birthdays, we haven't had any come in. But if you would like to have your birthday celebrated or friends or relatives and have us wish them a very happy birthday for all the listeners all over the world here at On Screen and Beyond, do so by sending me the information at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com and we'll be sure to pass that along to everybody and wish you all a very happy birthday. Next on On Screen and Beyond, our guest has had so many hits in the 70s and 80s. She just kept rolling them out and she was part of Captain and Tennille. Tony Tennille is going to be joining us. She has has hits like Love Will Keep Us Together, Muskrat Love, Do That To Me One More Time. She was the star of the Captain and Tennille show. It was a variety show back in 1976 and 77. She has a new book out called Tony Tennille, A Memoir. Tony Tennille's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is a Grammy-winning singer who sang the hits Do That To Me One More Time, Muskrat Love, The Way I Want to Touch You, Love Will Keep Us Together, and so many others. And she has a new book out called Tony Tennille, A Memoir. It's Tony Tennille. Tony, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you, Brian. I'm happy to be with you. Tony, it's such a thrill to have you on here because your music has made people smile since back in the 70s. Yeah, they, yeah, that's, I think, one of the things that I'm proudest of that uh, Daryl and I accomplished together was the music that we made that became part of people's memories forever, which is, is a very special thing. Definitely, and, and, and so many of, and one thing, uh, of course, the books, I'm sure, goes into all this. I haven't had a chance to read the whole book or anything yet, but uh, uh, I'm definitely, you know, I've been looking at it, so I'm <laughs> I'm getting ready to. I just got it, so it just came in yesterday. Brian, don't feel bad. I had a talk show in 1980, and I could hardly ever keep up with all re- the reading I had to do with my guests, so don't worry about it. I understand. <laughs> but uh, one thing I noticed is, of course, love will keep us together. Now that yeah. was your your huge hit, uh, not necessarily yeah. your first release, but it was your huge hit with Neil Sedaka. Now, working with Neil Sedaka and having a song by Neil Sedaka that must have been a thrill. Well, we didn't know Neil at the time. Of course, we knew who he was because we listened to all of his hits in the you know the fifties and sixties and all that. Um, and actually, Neil wrote the music, and Howie Greenfield wrote the lyrics. And right. Howie is the one we met first. Because when Love Will Keep Us Together started climbing the charts, um, he called A&M Records, who was our record company at the time, and said, who is this group 
what are their names? This is a fabulous version of Love Will Keep Us Together. And they said, well, it's the, you know, we just signed them. It's the Captain and Sunil. So he said, I want to meet them. So Howie had us over to his lovely house for dinner, and we met him. And then later on when Neil, uh, who was in England at the time, uh, came back to the States, uh, we met Neil. And then we became good friends with Neil after that. Yeah, and you continued to do some of his songs, in, in like Lonely Nights, uh, Angel Face. That was another good hit from... from... Yep, that was another big one for us. Yeah, absolutely. Neil, you know, it's funny, and then you never done it like that, which was Neil mm-hmm. and, and Howie's tune as well. Um, he just, you know, he's a fine, fine writer, and he knows how to put hooks and things in, in the songs. They're just built in. You don't have to make them happen. Right. But... Uh, for example, if you've never done it like that, uh, when Howie, uh, when um, Howie and uh, Neil, and when Neil recorded it, he recorded it in a very happy, bouncy, you know, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I said to Daryl, you know, I, I want to sing this in a different way. I want it to be um, more sensual uh, and you know, and, and kind of insinuating, uh, <laughs> and that you know, the beat that, that Neil has won't won't work for me. So he went into his uh, his keyboard room and came out a couple hours later and said, what about this? And I said, it's perfect. It, and it was. That yeah. was his gift. He really could do that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And now, uh, you know, we'll talk about some more of your music in a minute, but but with the book, your new book, Tony Tennille, my, uh, a memoir, Yeah. what made you decide to do a memoir at this time? I'm always curious why people, you know, will will write one. Okay, there's two reasons, Brian. Um, first of all, people have been asking me for years. You know, I'm 75 now, so when you get to a certain age, you've actually had a life. You know, there's, there's a whole life there. And a lot of my friends and fans would say, oh, when are you going to write your memoir? And I said, never, and I meant it. Um, but one of the reasons I said that is because I was still uh, in the last few years of trying to figure out what I was going to do with my relationship with Daryl. I was going through a lot of um, soul-searching and agonies trying to figure out what I was going to do. So I didn't know what the story was uh, at that time. Yeah. That's, so once, once I did that and moved to Florida, where I am now, um, then I, it was, I, I knew kind of where I was going. Uh, and it was, I, I wouldn't have done it by myself, though, uh, because I just don't have the discipline to do it. Uh, and it's hard. I think it's hard to write a book like that by yourself. Uh, just just going back all the over all the memories. So my niece Caroline Saint Clair Tenille, uh sent me a couple of manuscripts she'd written of novels. Um, one was a for very young young kids, and the other one knocked my socks off. And I I just and I read all the time and I just went oh my god this is fantastic and I gave it to all my friends of all different ages they all said the same thing so I knew she could write so I talked to Caroline about it I said would you be interested in working on this and writing the memoir with me and she said she would so it took us two years to write it wow and at that time we were living on opposite ends of the country I was in Arizona and she was in Florida she lives just in Orlando, about 20 minutes from me now. And we did most of it, you know, I would fly there for a couple of days and she would fly to Arizona. Um, and then we did most of it um, online or, you know, emails and phone calls and things like that. Um, but the, the wonderful thing about Caroline 
uh, and, and working with me was that I am very good at telling what happened, but Caroline is is excellent in setting the scene. She can take the reader into a into the scene, the picture, whereas I just say what happened. She's really good at that, mm-hmm. and that's why I think the book turned out so beautifully. I'm very very proud of it. So is Caroline, uh, because the two of us working together with our two different abilities made it made it happen mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like songwriting really i suppose you know it is you know it is except i write i don't write with other people right no but i, I mean do. you know some people yeah, when they know. you know like like you said neil sadaka and, and howie yeah. and and you know they you know they just uh turn around and, and sometimes work with people and and it just and elton john and bernie Chopin. that's another example right yeah you know yeah. They wrote together, and some people can really do that. I'm I'm kind of a Billy Joel type. I have to write them all myself. He yeah. does that same thing, you know. And, and you've had some great songs that you've written. Uh, the way I yeah, want to touch I'm, you, and, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, do that to me one more time. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right, yeah. And you know, the funny I can tell you a little story about do that to me one more time. We had uh, signed with A and M Records first. That was our first record label. And then we went to Casablanca Records, which was uh, rather a famous uh, and kind of advanced, almost notorious record label. They were famous for their disco right, yeah. at that time. And they wanted to sign us. They wanted to go off into a, a, a pop kind of a thing as well as the discos they were doing. And so um, we were putting, getting our first album together uh, for them and uh, and. Uh, they, Neil Bogart came over and Bruce Bird, who was the vice president at the time, came to our house while we played some of the songs we were considering for the first album. And I had just a, a few days ago written Do That to Me One More Time. Um, and I just thought, you know, it's a nice little thing. And, and at the very end of, you know, showing them all the songs, playing them all the songs, I said, and then there's this one. And I played it and sang it, and Bruce Bird jumped up out of his chair and said, "That's a smash." Mm. And I and I went, "Well, wow, <laughs> you know." I thought it was a nice song, but I never thought it was, um, you know, number one. Right. Type. Yeah. But it turned out to just click with people. Sometimes simplicity is the best way to go. Right. And yeah. that certainly worked with "Do That to Me." You know, Daryl. Uh, kept the production as, as simple as if I told him I'd like to keep this simple and just let the emotion come through, and he did a great job on that. So mm-hmm. that's how it happened. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because you know a lot of times we think of the captain and Tennille, and uh-huh. you think of uh, you know wholesome. That that's all I can come up with. It, it, it's wholesome. Oh no, I know, I know. And, and, and then, but then, really, if you look at the songs that you did, yeah. they were quite sensual. You know, and it's funny because I remember when um, The Way I Want to Touch You was first released, and we were, I remember we were uh, doing uh, some promo for it in St. Louis, and we were hoping to get it played on the adult contemporary station. That's what they had at that time for our kind of music. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wouldn't play it because they thought it was too risque. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, wow, that's really good. <laughs> Times have changed a lot. <laughs> oh, have they ever? I mean, it's very, very different now. And I, you know, it's it's different in so many ways, Brian. Um, it's different. Um, you know, I I don't because the music of today, um, 
you know, doesn't speak to me, and that's fine because I'm I'm an old person now. Um, but still, uh, it's just the social media and all of that stuff now is. If we'd had all that, I don't know if I would have survived. I know, jeez. Uh, <laughs> Well, I can remember back back then when your songs were out, I was on the radio, and uh, yeah. I mean, it was always like, you know, okay, when's the next Captain of Tennille songs coming out? Because, you know, we knew people were going to love it, and, and it was just so much yeah. fun to hear them. We were lucky. We really were. But, you know, if, you, if, if anybody is kind of interested in, in the variations of the type of music we do, and, and the songs that I write, uh, a lot of the songs that I wrote that are my favorites and the ones I'm proudest of, we never released as singles. They're they're on there. The mm-hmm. songs like "Deep in the Dark," which uh, you know Tom Scott, the famous uh, the jazz player, played the solo on that, and he called me later and asked me if I would consider writing with him uh, after he played on that song. And it's and I, I I just can't write with anybody else. I write by myself. Mm-hmm. But um, I was very flattered because Tom is a superb musician. He's played on so many hits you would not believe the number of hits he's played on. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but that's a song about a person, a woman in my case, awaking, awakening to a deep sensual experience. And I worked very, very, very hard on those lyrics. And it's. You know, when you read that, you might go, "Oh, where'd that come from?" <laughs> but, but on the same, you know, by the same token, I can write a, 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 like a kids song, like "Circles." You know, uh, that was one of our hits. Uh, he drew a circle that shut right. me out. Yeah, and um, that's that's really for kids. But I, you know, I don't like to be stuck in some where she has to write this or that. I like to write whatever comes to me. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I never knew that you sang back up on Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh, I know. That's my claim to hipness. <laughs> you want me to tell you that story? Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, um, Bruce Johnston from the Beach Boys mm-hmm. and Carl Wilson, who was one of the, the Wilson brothers, he was the youngest of the brothers, uh, and a studio singer named John Joyce and I, when we were all in town together, if one of our colleagues needed some backup work, uh, Bruce would call us and we'd go in and do it. Uh, we did some stuff for Elton John and we did some stuff for um, Art Garfunkel and so forth. So um, I got a call one day from Bruce and he said, uh, Pink Floyd's are going to be in town and they're working on a new album and they need some back- backup vocals. Uh, are you in? And I said, well, sure. And I have to be honest with you. I, I knew who they were. I'd heard their name. But I was not really familiar with their music, and I had no idea how huge they were. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know, this will be interesting. I'd really like to see what a session is like, you know, with these types of, of this type of rock musician. I'm going to see what it's like. And uh, so we went to a place called the Producers Workshop. It was in Hollywood, and it was a Sunday morning. And I remember that because. Um, Gerald went with me. He wanted to see how they how they did it too, and um, we were met at the door by Dave Gilmore, who said uh, he said to us, "Oh, I'm so happy to meet you. I just saw you on television this morning." And I said, "Well, it's Sunday morning. What what were you watching us on this morning?" He said, "Oh, I was watching you on Kids Are People Too with my kids. That was a kids show that we guessed mm-hmm. on." Yeah. Yeah. So there goes the you know the rock image. Here he is. He's watching <laughs> kids or people too with his two kids. 
So I went, well, that's really cool. So um, we did the session, and I'll have to tell you, it's one of the most professional, uh, no BS sessions I've ever done. They knew exactly what they wanted. At that time, they had not named the songs. They would just say, okay, here's a track, and we want you to do this on the track. And then here's another track, and we want you to do this background vocal on that track. So, um, you know, I didn't really know which ones I sang on. None of us did, because we were just doing whatever they they handed us. And my job was always to sing in the middle of the chord, Um, so I would blend, because if you're background singing, you don't want your voice to stand out. You want to blend with the other voices. Mm -hmm. And so I put myself right in the middle there, and it worked out really beautifully. And then later on, um, when they were getting ready to do their, their first concerts of The Wall, Dave uh, called me at home and he said, I'd love for you to come see the concert. I've got tickets for you if you'd like to like to go. And I went, well, yeah. <laughs> so so we, we saw the first, I saw the first uh, pr- production they did wow. of The Wall, you know, in, in L.A. It was fantastic. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Now, is that normal, though, for somebody to call up uh, somebody who, who has a major hit and ask them to uh-huh. sing backup? Well, this was after we had done the session, and so he knew me then. Well, no, it was, it was, it was probably, um, uh, yeah, it was Dave. He, they, whoever was their producer at the time called us in to do that session, so he met me there. And then he called me later after we'd done the session. And he you know, invited me to the concert, and then he also said, Would you, which I loved, would you consider going out and doing uh, backgrounds on the road for this tour? (laughs) And I said, well, you know, and I really thought, wow, this would really be fun. But, you know, we still had Captain and Neil things. Right. I I couldn't do it. So, but, but uh, they were such great, great musicians. I thought, wow, what a chance that would have been, but Mm. I never did get to do it. Yeah. But you, you also toured uh, with the beach boys, right? You, you, you're officially the beach girl, right? (laughs) Yeah. There's never been another one. No. um, Daryl got me that gig because he'd been with them doing backup uh, in their backup band for about five or six years at that time. And they had a regular keyboard acoustic, acoustic piano was my, my instrument. And they had always had acoustic piano, and they had a, their regular guy wanted to take, I think it was a year off to get his finishes degree at UCLA. So, um, and they were getting ready to go out on the road, and they asked Daryl if he knew anybody, and he said, "Yeah, I've got this gal. She can, you know, she's she can do it." And Carl, you know, Brian had quit touring at that time. Mm-hmm. Finally, couldn't make it anymore. So Carl was the music director at that time, and Dennis was still with him. He played drums and sang. Um, but Carl was the director and, uh, he said, okay, well, if you say she's good, uh, get on the plane and we'll, you know, we'll start the tour in Burton in Binghamton, New York. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. He's never heard me play. And Daryl, you know, spent a couple of weeks going over all the charts with me and showing me what they want me to do. And I did it. And that was it. Wow. How, what was the reaction of the people, you know, uh, the, the audience uh, seeing, seeing a girl up there as opposed to, you know, always seeing the guys. <laughs> You know, I, I would never know because I didn't talk to the people in the audience because we were just backup musicians. Right, yeah. So after the show, you know, the boys would meet and greet, but we wouldn't. We'd go uh, back to the hotel and do whatever. Um, 
So I didn't know, but the, but the funny thing, the cute thing was when I, when we first started on the tour and I would get ready to go up on stage to get ready for the show, the security guard would say, no, 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 you can't go up there. <laughs> this is musicians only. And I said, well, you know, it sounds so cliche. I'd say, but I'm with the band, which I really was. Yes. <laughs> so, so what happened was the tour, the, uh, the, the, the director, tour director, tour guy, um, would come up in every venue from then on and say, yeah, this is Tony Tennille and she's playing piano for us. So she really is in the band. Mm-hmm. So that's how that worked out. Yeah. Now it, it, are these stories and of course, many, many more all in the book. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and much more detail too. Yeah. There's a lot more detail and, you know, it's hard to kind of summarize it all, uh, you know, in an interview, but that's right. like I said, it took us two years to write the book. Right. Yeah. They got to um, go out and get it <laughs> to hear all yeah, the stories. And, you know, I, and also, um, I just, uh, I recorded the audio book and it just was released also. I recorded that back for, uh, Amazon audible audio. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm really, really pleased how that came out. Uh, Audible did a did a great job uh, giving me you know the best people to work with and yeah. um, I was just real thrilled with how that how that turned out. Now, is it hard? I mean, it's one thing to write your your life story down uh-huh. on paper, which which I'm sure is it must be difficult because you're you're exposing yourself, but yeah. then to read it. It's like wow, <laughs> you know, you know, you're you're going over it audible, you know, audio, and it's it, I, I just can't imagine. Well, you know, um, when they when when they asked me to do the audio book, and I, and I thought, well, of course I have to do it. Nobody can read my story like I can. Right. Yeah. And then when we got in the studio and I started working through it, we started at chapter one and went straight through. So the emotional arc as I read it, would be correct. You know, instead of doing little bits here and little bits there, we just started at the beginning and went all the way through the end. Yeah. And um, it was hard, not technically for me. What was hard was um, reliving right. a lot of things. Yeah. You know, not just not just Daryl, but some of the things in my childhood and, and you know, my father, and who I adored, he, but he was an alcoholic and there was a lot of trauma that went through that. Um, and there are a lot of things, you know, nobody's life is smooth sailing all the time. There, there are always things that happen and big decisions you have to make sometimes. And sometimes you think I did the wrong thing. I took the wrong path. But even if you did, you know, what I found in my old age wisdom is you learn something, even when you do make a mistake or, or, or make the wrong decision. So the reliving of it, I thought, you know, it's interesting because I found myself occasionally um, kind of choking up a little bit when I remembered, and, I, and I'm saying to myself, you're a professional. I mean, you can't let this happen. <laughs> but some of it did, you know, because it's real. Well, you know, yeah, you're real. a human being. I mean, it's bound. That's, that's exactly right. So it, it, it's real, and it, and it happened. And, um, you know, actually, I loved, I loved the experience so much, I'm hoping to be able to do some reading for other authors. That's something I would really like wow. to do. Wow, 
Especially great. because you don't have to put makeup on and do your hair and wear a gown and walk the red carpet. You just go in there and you sweat and do it. You know? Right. You know, a lot of voiceover actors tell me that. They love just sitting in their PJs and, and, and doing that. Ab- absolutely. It was just a real joy to do this, other than, you know, reliving everything. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, after hearing it, and I just heard it, it just came out April 1st, you know, four days ago. Right. Yeah. And I just heard it for the first time since I recorded it, and I went, I'm really pleased. They got a really warm sound on the voice, which was important to me. They EQ'd it, I thought, beautifully. So that wasn't me. All I did was read it. They did all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know we're getting close to the time you have to get going, so I'd like to finish up, Tony, with uh, two final questions. Okay. It's going to take us away from everything that you've done musically and, and, and your TV show and everything else you've done. Okay. When you sit back and relax, what do you watch on TV now and in the past? <laughs> what are your favorite shows? And what are your favorite movies now and of the past? Oh, that's really interesting. Well, um, my favorite, one of my favorite shows in the world is Big Bang Theory because I love nerds and geeks. I just <laughs> do. You know, I, I'm really attracted to that kind of guy. And, uh, and I, actually, there's a lot of similarity between Sheldon and Amy's relationship and mine and Daryl's. Mm. Um, so anybody who's a Big Bang Theory watcher will understand a little bit more when they read my book and, and all that. Uh, I'm a, you know, I hate to say it because I haven't turned it on lately, but I'm a political junkie. Mm-hmm. I watch the political news all the time. Um, my dad was in the legislature in Alabama, and, you know, when I was young, we started out, uh, you know, watching politics. Politics fascinates me and infuriates me. Yes. And lately, <laughs> I've just had it all turned off. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of the thing that I like. I wish I could tell you something more exciting. No, that's why. That, that, that's the interesting part, to find out what people like to watch and, and are in, into um, yeah, what about movies? What about movies? What's your favorite movie? Well, my favorite movie in the world well, it's probably was Gone with the Wind. I'm a Southern girl. You Classic, know? yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's probably you know it's it's almost like asking me. People say, "Which is your favorite song you wrote?" It's like asking, "What's your favorite child?" Mm-hmm. It's really really hard to say that. I have so many I love, but I honestly, Brian, don't watch a lot of television. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I read. I do a lot of reading, and I I listen to Audible, and I read on my Kindle all the time. Yeah. So that's really what I love to do. Yeah. Well, Tony, I was going to ask you what your favorite song was that you that you did, but oh. I, I stepped. No, I stayed away from it because I, I I know it's a tough question, and everybody you know usually yeah. says the same thing because it is. I mean, these are songs that mean something to you, so it is hard to say you know this is the better one or things like that. You know, I'm yeah. sure some made more money for you, but. <laughs> Well, it depends on the mood I'm in, too. Yeah. You know, it really does. It, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, the songs, they're, they're written at different times and, and for different reasons. And mm-hmm. It kind of de- depends on the mood, you know, what, which, which song I like to listen to. Yeah. I mean, as far as groups, you know, I love the Eagles and I love Seely Dan and I, you know, and I love uh, Hall and & Oates and Harold Hall, who's just done some wonderful things post-career. 
uh, you know, by gathering young musicians around him and, and working with them. He's just been fantastic. And plus, he's a great songwriter. Yes. So, yeah. you know, those are the ones off the top of my head I can think of. Yeah. There's a lot more, but... Well, Tony, there's so many other questions I have, but I know we can't get to them. And, but I tell you, this has been an honor, and I, and I really have enjoyed talking with you. And I thank you so much for sharing with us. Well, thank you very much, Brian. I appreciate it. And good luck. Everybody should be going out and getting your book that is out now, Tony Tennille, A Memoir. I think they'll enjoy it. A big thank you going out to Tony Tennille for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, it's an amazing book, fascinating book. Be sure to pick that up and uh, you know get into, into the full story and find out all the things that went on. It's uh, just, uh, just amazing. And, uh, of course, uh, listen to her music. It's all over the place. We've heard it. We hear it everywhere, even still. And, uh, you know, you, you just level keep us together. We'll always go on and on. Everybody loves that song. So, what do you say? Uh, why don't we uh, take a break now? It's going to be, uh, uh, I got to try to get things together for the next show coming up your way very quickly here at On Screen and Beyond. I've got a couple of shows to make up, so uh, those will be coming your way. And if you have a suggestion for a guest, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I'll see what I can do about getting that person on. If you're on Facebook, be sure to like us. And uh, like you said, if you've got a suggestion, send it to me. Or just want to talk, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. That's it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care. Mm-hmm.